Hello and welcome. You are tuned in to the Alachua County Extension Court Podcast, where we plug in and bring UF IFAS Extension to life. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plant of the Month. It's already July. We got the 4th of July coming up. Woo! Fireworks, barbecues, America. <coughs> Excited. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I am your host, Dr. Kevin Corris, the Ag and Natural Resources Extension Educator here at the Alachua County Extension Office, and I am joined uh, by Dr. Cynthia Nazario-Leary, our Environmental Horticulture Agent, and Martha Maddox, our Family and Consumer Sciences Agent. And for this plan of the month, we're talking about one of my favorite things ever to eat, and that's basil. But it's not my favorite. Basil. 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 It's I say basil. One. I say basil. basil. But my best friend that introduced me to herbs says basil. And you can say it anyway. Mm. It's mysterious. Well, we should ask the Greeks because it's a Greek. Yeah. Tomato, potato, like they say. Yeah. It's the king of <laughs> herbs, Kevin. Did you know that? It is, yeah. Really? It's the king yeah. of the herbs. Oh, my gosh. We'll try not to bite into I'm the like, crown. Well, I'm like, what is eating? the queen? Jean yeah, McAvoy, one of our previous ag agents down from Henry County, has an Edis publication on basil, basil, the king of herbs. The king of herbs. Awesome. Well, like I said, it's one of my favorites uh, to eat. Not mm-hmm. my favorite to grow. It's a little finicky, in, in my opinion, but maybe you can change my mind on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that but I tried it once, and it, it didn't have a really? great... Really? Yeah. Well, Did it you got not have the enough inf- sun for it? It got the infamous downy mildew, which oh, we'll, I'm getting yeah, ahead of ourselves. Yeah, you're going to dive into that. We um, don't have to. So I actually think basil is one of those, like, gateway herbs, <laughs> plants <Okay. laughs> for gardening, uh, because... If, you know, usually, you know, when you're trying to get into growing plants that you want to consume, you know, basil is used in so many different things. And it's really popular, like, when we create these, like, pizza gardens, right, with kids. You can Uh include all these different herbs. um, And basil is usually one of them uh, because, you know, you can eat those. I'm sure uh, Martha will talk about it, but the, the leaves are used for so many. Yeah, I mean, it's so versatile. Um, (laughs) And it grows so fast that yeah. usually you're using it pretty quickly, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't have to wait this, you know, the typical 70 to 90 days yep. before you're able to um, harvest from it. Um, so what's also nice about uh, basil is that you can grow it indoors. You can grow it out on a patio. You can grow it out in your yard. Um, the key is you're going to need light. So if you're going to grow it in an indoor space, um, or on a balcony that doesn't receive enough light, so it needs that six to eight hours of sun, then you're going to need to prov- provide supplemental lighting, which mm-hmm. a lot of the LED lights now, they can they can provide that. So mm-hmm. um, I encourage that because if you have it in your kitchen or near your kitchen, you're more likely to go for it, yeah. right? Like, oh, I'm going to touch up this salad a little bit, right? I'm going to grab some of my leaves that are that are growing right here. So I always say have especially herbs like that where you can you want to harvest frequently from the plant as well you want to have it in your um in your view space right you want to be able to be walking by this plant seeing this plant because because basil grows so fast and can be vigorous it can easily um grow out of its container or become leggy um, and then it becomes more susceptible to pests and diseases mm-hmm. and then it probably bolts and bolting is when it uh, decides that it wants to flower um, and so what happens is people are like I didn't even get to use it because it it went to do all these things mm-hmm. already 
so having it in your view space allows you to use it more and sure. you really want to be uh, harvesting from this plant. And Cynthia, from what I've saw with basil in my experience, <clears throat> because when it does flower, you know, those flowers are taking on all the nutrients and it's bolting. So the more you're picking that, the bushier the plant gets. And the more you pick it, the bushier it gets, but the more it produces. And then you're preventing the flowers. Right. However, you might want to have one plant for the flowers for like what we're going to talk about garnishing or eating, you know, putting in your salads and stuff. But that's the good thing that I like so about basil is if you keep it in your space and you're constantly harvesting it and picking it from the top down, not the bottom up, right. the top down, that plant's going to start bushing and you're not going to have to have 20 basil plants. Two basil plants will do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't want even. 20, yeah. 20 basil well, would I'm, be hard to manage. I'm glad you brought that up, um, Martha, because I was actually just going to ask, you know, when harvesting the leaves, is it better to take the more developed older leaves and leave the new leaves so that you continue to get growth? But in a way, you, you're, you're basically pinching the plant, right? So you want to yeah. take those newer leaves and so, kind of encourage lateral growth? You can. So it depends on the space that you have, too. I mean... I like it to bush out mm -hmm. because otherwise it gets pretty tall and what happens is it gets leggy and then it starts to flop over. Mm -hmm. So I like to encourage that kind of yeah. bushiness. Mm -hmm. And you do that by pinching the tips or taking maybe the two top top nodes because um, otherwise, yeah, it gets it can get it can get leggy. And plus okay. those younger leaves, which I'm sure also Martha will talk about, those tend to have less if they're going to have a bitterness or any yeah. type of um, pungency to it that the, the older later. leaves are going to have they have those compounds more concentrated in the older sure. leaves yeah they have more oil the the top leaves yes. have more oil in yeah. them and, and all like yeah that. and so usually it's also um i mean it depends too but um the older leaves though are nice if you want the bigger leaves let's say you're making a pizza marguerite mm -hmm. pizza yeah. then you want those um larger leaves but i find that because it's so prolific and it's herbaceous production that you want to be pinching it that's usually people don't pinch their basil enough because they they think oh i got to keep letting it grow right. mm -hmm. but this is a plant that responds to being pruned pinched. and yep. pinched mm -hmm. it wants to um, produce that that said if you are pinching it um you do need to monitor the fertilizer, especially if it's in a pot, because what's going to happen is as it's trying to create that new leaves and it's responding to that pruning, it's going to need those nutrients Anymore. to develop that. So a lot of times what we see is that the plants start to yellow or yeah. maybe they start to get a lighter green and they start to show issues of like just not thriving, just not looking as well. And that's because it's used up all the nutrients in that container. Sure. So, um, so just monitor, monitor that. Um, I mean, we're in July too. So this is a tropical plant. So it, it's okay with the heat, but we, you know, really need to be careful about that humidity that we have here. It's yes. really more of the, the stagnant air with no movement that can encourage, uh, diseases. So, yeah. Um, when growing basil, especially in an outdoor environment, that's really what you what you want to make sure of is that you have good air circulation. And I know you wanted to 
yeah. dive into that downy mildew because that's the main mm-hmm. issue it with is. it, right? And, like it was so crazy. You know, I usually you get it because you're putting it in an area in the environment where there's already been some downy mildew. So you've got this water mold fungus, yeah. fungal like organism there. Right. So but I I had bought some when I first moved to Florida and put it on my patio in a hanging basket, okay, away from and any other basil and, and it got it. And, and I, I even took it into the lab and diagnosed it. It was downy mildew. So it may have had it on the stock I already purchased is kind of what I'm thinking. Cause that's crazy. But, but you're, you're yeah, this thing is, is it, it goes after really fleshy leafy mm-hmm. plants is in which, which is what we're trying to encourage with downy mildew. So encouraging that canopy openness, trying not to water the foliage if yes. it's in the ground or in a pot, just water the soil if you can. But then also make sure that the soil drains because even just having excessively wet soil, not only is that bad for the root system, but it can create excess excess humidity within the canopy above it, which can encourage this disease. So, um, yeah, it's, it's nasty. If you ever do get it in your garden or in your pot or anywhere, you really need to remove, remove all of it. that plant material get and even the soil if you can. Yeah. What, what type of soil... Kevin, because I know I get this question a lot, and of course this is not my program area. I refer them to you or to uh, Cynthia or Tantiana. But do you want basil in a sandy soil or a mixture of uh, soil and sand? What, what type of soil? I mean, you think you want something nutrient rich, yeah. you know, very nutrient rich. So a good healthy potting material. You just want it to be able to drain. drain. So as as long okay. as it, um, yeah, as long as it can get through that soil and out the bottom of the pot, or if it's in in the the soil, you know, if it's in the earth, make sure that you're putting it in the area of the garden that doesn't hold water. So I mean, if this, yeah, your pot doesn't drain or it's holding water. That's and, and that's what I see a lot of times when I go to buy a plant somewhere, especially if we've had four or five days of rain or really hard rain, <clears throat> is those little seedlings are just saturated. And then when you open them, you know, that mm-hmm. creates some issues sure. too, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, I mean... Um, I think the best is like if you have basil, especially in containers, um, establishing some sort of drip and also kind of maybe thinning that, not thinning them out, but getting rid of those lower leaves so that you have a little bit more uh, airflow Mm -hmm. and and space between um, the soil and then the the leaves up above. Um, But the, the... the quick draining media is really, really important. I mean, basil is going to grow. This thing can grow in water. I mean, it's right. it's a popular plant used in hydroponics for that reason because it will it will grow in water, um, and so it'll grow in most things. But like I said, if to produce the leaves, it needs nutrients, and those leaves are really fleshy. So if it if it runs out of water, if it doesn't have enough water, you quickly see this thing mm-hmm. drooping. drooping, right? So, you know, the challenge is, I think with basil is frequent, but not like a lot of water, Mm -hmm. like just enough water to keep it moist, but you don't want to overwater this thing that then you create an environment where you're encouraging that disease. So it's like kind of that that fine line. And with our high humidity here, use that to your advantage. Like those plants aren't going to be transpiring as much. They're not going to be losing as much water because of that humidity. So monitor them. If they Mm -hmm. don't need water, don't water them. You know, only water them when they, when you see that the, you know, I usually use my, the finger test, (laughs) which is I stick my little pinky into the top of the soil and if, you know, yeah. if it's dry, then I, you know, then I give them some water. But if it's any way still moist, I, I'm like, you're good. Mm-hmm. You're uh-huh. good to go. Yep. 
So yeah, so just I just don't want to skip over it just in case I feel like we sat down and mildew as if everyone knows what to expect or what to you know to what like they're going to see the right. So right. So the symptoms of this particular disease, it, you're going to see it on the leaves um, typically first, and it's they're going to look like they wilt. And it's maybe just a section of the leaf or the entire leaf, but it's actually going to turn a grayish mm -hmm. color. Um, and it's just going to be a large section or the entire leaf. And it's not till you, until the disease progresses a little bit and then you flip that leaf over and look at the backside <laughs> as you see this downy, right. cottony, fuzzy growth. And that's actual fung fungal material there, you know, sporulating. If you've already got it to that point, unfortunately, you've got spores all over <laughs> your basil and right. even the leaves not showing symptoms are probably infected. Right. So, um, yeah, so you're going to see, it's kind of a weird symptomology. The leaves will look like they kind of wilt and turn almost a grayish, uh, kind, kind of color. Um, not necessarily the yellow chlorosis you would expect. Right. So. Right. And then, you know, I've always, you know, I always get the question distinguishing powdery mildew from downy mildew. Yeah. Want to elaborate on sure. that? Sure. So powdery mildew is always kind of white, a very whitish color. And you can get powdery. It's mostly on the top, but mm -hmm. you can get that on the top and the bottom. Downy mildew, you are always going to see on the bottom side of the leaf surface. So that's one thing. But, um, you know, uh, uh, by, by the naked eye, that's really the only thing we can do. Once we get into looking at the spores, there's very easy ways to differentiate, you know, downy and, and, and the paranospora that causes um, powdery. But um, uh, so, yeah, mo mostly that white powderiness and if it's on the top of the leaf it's powdery mildew okay. it's not downy right right and i would say too that like if you see or if you're having issues growing basil you know and you find that you're having this downy mildew problem there are some downy mildew resistant varieties that you yeah. can try um but i would just move to an either another area um you yeah. know and give that section give that place where you have that problem a break from from growing things especially the basil yep and either try a new area or just, you know, yep. you take a put, break from yep. it. You could put something else in there, like a grain crop, you know, or yeah. something like that that's completely different host would, would be fine. Right. The other the other pest that I've noticed on basil is mites. Like, we had, like, a mite flush in June where a lot of crops were getting mites. And you'll see, like, the speckling on the leaf. And the thing with the basil is they love to cup. They cup very well. And mm -hmm. so you really have to get underneath those leaves. Always check the underneath mm -hmm. of the leaves. Um, for looking for any type of sucking insect, especially those mites. Um, and then you need to dislodge those. Um, but basil, I noticed, does a really good cupping. Yep. <laughs> and that's, you know, really protects those uh, mites underneath. Yep, for sure. So, um, yeah, we didn't really go into the insects, but yeah, mites and thrips and aphids yeah, all love this plant as well. All love it, yeah. So, but, you know, the other thing too I wanted to encourage with basil, uh, we talked about the bolting is just accept that, you know, <laughs> basil is a tropical plant, so it's not going to last the whole year. You you could try, I guess. You could bring it inside to try and keep it as a perennial. But I think for most people, I tell people, it's okay if your basil just stops producing, yeah. it peters out, you know, or if you just want to let it go to flower because it's a great pollinator plant, it's going to attract those pollinators, or you want to collect seed from it. Um, but it's okay if this thing eventually gets too leggy or, like I said, just runs out. Um, you can mm -hmm. plant them successionally, which means that you could plant a basil now and then maybe in a few weeks plant another one. And that way you kind of have this continuation of basil mm -hmm. plants that you can harvest from and you're not distraught if you lose uh -huh. 
sure. you lose your basil plant. And you kind of have a fresh source of those nice, fresh, young leaves that I know are, and then are really tasty. you got the flowers there, too, Yeah, that, that are beautiful. And then if you want to go even further, you can use that, you know, you can pull them up and break that stem off. And if you're doing charcoal, the last 10 minutes, throw that stalk on your <sighs> charcoal and voila, you have a basil Oh, infusion. that's nice. Genius. That's a great Genius. idea. Mm, that sounds great. So see, all, right. all parts are usable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, herbs. Herbs are so wonderful. They are. I love herbs. Start with herbs, especially if you want to grow plants. I mean, this is a dumb question, but um, <laughs> why, no why are herbs so popular in culinary dishes? I always say that cilantro <laughs> is my favorite vegetable. I know well, it's an herb. Well, Kevin, but. you're on my topic, and if people know me, they're going to say, oh, well, she's going to get on her soapbox today <laughs> because I could talk for years on herbs. Uh, what excites me about herbs is it's a flavor enhancer. Mm-hmm. What's salt or sodium, Kevin? Oh, I've heard that. Um, oh, how did I? Because I, I know I your wife watches your sodium. Yeah, well, my, well, mine's way too high, and I need to eat less of it for sure. But what is it like, salt? It's a flavor enhancer, enhancer. too. Yes. Yeah. And so herbs and salt are both flavor enhancers. Salt, sodium will raise your high blood pressure where the herbs does not have the component of the sodium to raise your high blood pressure. So you substitute your herbs in place of the sodium. And this is what's really, you know, they're a flavor enhancer. And the dietary guidelines say that the American public eats, totally consumes three to four times the amount of sodium that they could, should consume. Mm-hmm. We're consuming anywhere from 3,400 to 6,000 milligrams of sodium a day. Oh, you say, oh, much. Martha, that's, some people may say, well, that's, that's not that much. Well, you really should have 2,300 milligrams of sodium a day, which is a little less than a teaspoon, not the big one, the little one, teaspoon of salt. Mm-hmm. That's not a What's lot. What's the big teaspoon versus the, the, big, the, the, the tablespoon? The big, the big tablespoon, yeah. <laughs> right. you, which three of the teaspoons make one tablespoon. tablespoon. Yeah. So when you start looking at, you know, you got 2,300 you're supposed to eat, and you're eating 6,000. And some people eat that because if you eat processed foods or mm-hmm. things that are higher in that. And then here's the kicker that I fall into. You two don't have to worry about this. <laughs> if you're at 51, you know, you're 51, you're African-American, or you have high blood pressure, diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and all that, I only get 1,500 milligrams, you know. So here you go. That's not a lot of sodium a day. So that's why herbs are really turning in popular because to help reduce the sodium in your diet. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, I've definitely been preached about that. And uh, I know I'm, I'm fine have. with it because I love herbs. Yeah. Well, yep. hey, there's so many varieties of flavor. There and, are. And it's experimental. Mm-hmm. I mean, I take a recipe and my husband says, I could never make sometimes the same way twice because I'll say, oh, I want to, I know what, you know, right. use that chart yeah. that we have that tells you what can mix, yeah. you know, and I'll start mixing here and there sure. and it is just over the I, top. And of I, I know you do need to be careful with like dried seasoning mixes because sometimes mm-hmm. you turn it over and the first thing in it is, is salt, is sodium. So you, you got to make really sure it's a, a salt-free seasoning mix. And since you brought that up, you also have to be careful because Dried herbs are two to three times stronger than fresh herbs Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the oil is concentrated. So you've got to watch your recipes. Most recipes are written for dried herbs. 
but you will have recipes that specify fresh herbs or have, I had a recipe that had a combination and I put dried everything and it called for fresh lavender. Well, I, yeah, that was quite entertaining. We had to go back and do some stuff. And that's why you need to not double a recipe uh, and don't double the herb. Put just a little more at a time in there and flavor taste it, you know, sure. to make sure. But uh, okay. you've got to be careful on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, sidebar. We'll get back to just basil now. Okay. <laughs> but the, uh, king, the, king the king of herbs. Let's get back ah. to the king. Oh, all right. <laughs> 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 Ain't nothing but a hound dog. We, we really love our jobs here. <laughs> no, not that king. Um, so we did mention that there are different types of basil. There's a bunch of different species and yeah. flavors and, and all that. So what are some that you like to eat or cook with? Well, I'm not going to talk about the hundred flavors that's out there. I'm going to limit it to just my favorite. Uh, sweet basil is the primarily, when you say basil, what mm-hmm. people you know refer to that's used in your Italian foods, pesto, soups, and sauces. But you're going to find out it's not limited just to Italian food. It goes mm-hmm. all across the board. My favorite is lemon basil. It is great in salads, iced teas, uh, chicken dishes, and it gives a light lemony flavor. Uh, cinnamon basil is awesome. Sweet. All of these I love to make vinegars with. Cynthia, we'll, we'll do that one yeah. day since you haven't done that. But cinnamon basil uh, has a fragrance of cinnamon. Uh, it's in garnishes, salads, uh, fruit salads. But my favorite way to fix cinnamon basil is take an apple. And fall's coming up. So you take that apple, you core it, at, you wash it, you core it out. You put a little, just a little pat of butter in the middle. You take your cinnamon basil and you start uh, twisting it and, you know, getting all the extract oils ready to go out in it. You put that cinnamon basil down in your apple just sprinkle uh, a little bit of cinnamon at the end not right now so keep that in mind you pop that either in your instapot or your microwave you cook that apple when it comes out you just garnish it with a little cinnamon and you have one of the best cinnamon apples cynthia you've ever tasted Mm. Uh, the dark opal basil is really good for pestos uh coloring pastas prosciuttos Hmm. Or it is the one I go to for vinegars. A dark opal basil makes a beautiful purple basil uh, vinegar. Thai basil is excellent. It has a spicy, clovey-like flavor. And you'll uh, recognize it from a lot of Asian dishes called for the Thai basil. And then there's holy basil that I get a lot of calls about. And it's common in, um, they say, in boosting your immune system, Research, you know, there is some out there, but a lot of people, and you use it just like you do the sweet basil. Holy basil. It has a slightly um, different Yeah, it's got a very taste. different taste. It's, yeah. It's yeah, got like it. a I've lettuce-y. I've had it in tea. I like it in tea. Yeah. It's got kind of a lettuce taste, mm-hmm. but then there's that anise taste, mm-hmm. but it's not as strong. Right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. am going to try them. I'm going to try them all. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we also talked a little bit about harvesting and, and which uh-huh. ones to harvest and all that. Is there a better time of day or anything? To Basically, you know, you really want to harvest them early in the morning. Yeah. Any herbs on this. Yeah. And the reason you're wanting to do them early in the morning, but you wait till that dew has gone off the leaves, mm-hmm. uh, the oils are at their highest concentration early in the morning 
and then late, late, late at night. Because at high sun, the oils have started dissipating. And so if you gather them, say, about 10 o'clock, and then you gather some at 1 o'clock, you're not going to have the same flavor in your basil leaves. The one at 1 o'clock, the high sun has dissipated mm. some of the oils. I see. And in general, plant leaves are more turgid yes. or full of water yeah. in the morning as well, so they're a little yeah. bit more fleshy and... Okay. Yeah. Um, so then what if, you know, we're at the store, we didn't grow it or anything like that, and we're looking through a pile of basil? How do we select the good ones? Well, you want to make sure, like Cynthia is talking the color, it has got to be that vibrant, mm-hmm. vibrant green. There's got to be no dark spots, no decay. Now, if you're looking at opal basil, that's where you've got to know which basil you're looking at. With opal basil, you'd want it a purpley leaf. So, dark, yeah. you know, I want to clarify mm-hmm. that. You want to avoid any drooping leaves or any yellow or wilting. If it is, you don't want to buy that. That bright green. Gotcha. And so um, I've done that successfully, but then I've got home and stuck it in my fridge, and then like two <laughs> days later, it was mush. <coughs> yeah, that's a big How do we get some problem. life out of this? Well, first of all, if you're not going to use your basil, Immediately. Do not wash it. Yeah. Because it will turn dark. And, you know, is it safe to eat? It won't have the flavor because it's the cells, you know, bursting and all. But uh, what you want to do, if it's intact on the stalk, you have a flower vase. You have a cup. You put water in it. You put your stalks in there. And then cover it with a plastic bag. Set it in. And make sure it's perforated a little bit. Set it in your refrigerator, and that'll keep basically five to six days, sometimes four, depending on how fresh it is. But you've got to change that water every day. Mm -hmm. You've got to change it. My favorite and the one that I'm going to demonstrate in pictures on uh, our website with this column is my favorite is taking the leaves. You don't wash them. You individually lay them out on paper towels, and you roll them. Mm -hmm. And then you put that paper towel in a plastic bag. You get all the air out of it, and you can store that up to about four days. And then you wash the leaves when you get ready to use it. I actually knew the flower bouquet thing. I have to play stupid because I'm the host, and that's how podcasts work. But um, (laughs) my beautiful wife, just I'm like, why are all these flower bouquets of herbs in our fridge? And they last sometimes weeks. Yeah. It's it's awesome. As long as you change the water. Because when you don't change the water, that's when you start getting the fungus, the bacteria, and all like that. You have to be careful of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, favorite part. We're going to cook with basil. How should we do it? That... Basil is one of my favorites. Uh, you can add basil anytime during cooking. Now, if you're using a soup and a stew, <clears throat> you've got to put that basil in at the beginning of the cooking. Okay, you want a really basil-y pa- uh, flavor. You want to really taste that basil. The last five to ten minutes of cooking time, toss you a handful of basil in there. And that will just essentify the uh, the flavor mm-hmm. of basil. So that way you get the maximum flavor because heat does cause the basil to break down. Uh, we've already talked about dried versus fresh. Uh, if your recipe calls for dried basil, which most of them do, and you're using fresh, use three times more basil. If it calls for a teaspoon of, of uh, dried, use a tablespoon of the, the fresh. Uh, you see basil as a garnish. P- 
pick that garnish up and eat it. It's good for you. I mean, hey, that basil tastes good. Don't let that basil go to waste. Uh, you can make pestos, but I do want to say if you're making a basil pesto, you're infusing an oil into that. You need to make it. You need to eat it. Or you need to store it in a refrigerator no more than two to three days. Yeah. Uh, my favorite way when I make pesto is to freeze it. Take an old-fashioned ashtray, they're seeming to mm-hmm. come back, do a non-cooking spray on it, put your base, uh, pesto in that, pop it out, and then you can pop it in your soups and stews. Mm. Uh, Ice cube trays work well. Too. Yeah, 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 wonderful <laughs> for even storing your herbs and all like that. Uh, a lot of times you think of just Italian food. Uh, your pizza garnishes, but you can also use basil on roast beef, lamb chops, veal, turkey, fish, shrimp, and chicken. Your seafoods, be very careful not to over uh, use it because the anise flavor is very strong yeah. and it comes out. And codfish, uh, I did an experiment here a while back, and the recipe that it called for, I knew that was too much basil, but I went ahead as the recipe said. And let me tell you, it was basil-y. So <laughs> you've got to be really careful. Your tomatoes uh, pair the best with basil, but then peas and eggplant, spinach, zucchini, squash, and corn. Sure. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. Now then, Kevin, you <laughs> love desserts. We won't tell your wife. But anyway, those side dishes, desserts, beverages can also be enhanced with basil. There's nothing better than taking a grilled fruit and rubbing that fruit right before pineapples and peaches especially. Rub that basil, you know, wad it up, get the oils, rub that basil on that, throw it on the grill, and that infuses in. Or mm-hmm. take your pesto and kind of put a little on it. I've done that with uh, some grilled watermelon Grilled and watermelon and basil is Very excellent. Good. That Ooh, And then put feta on that. And then throw a little chopped. Now, when you chop your basil, I'm making you hungry. (laughs) When you chop your basil, don't chop it and let it sit there for two or three hours because it is going to turn black. Mm -hmm. Also, with your herbs, after you wash them and all, it's the same food safety guideline, the two-hour rule, because you don't want it to set out at all. Uh, Cheese, layering your soft cheeses with basil. (laughs) Ice cream basil I've had, and I love it. Mm. Uh, There's a local place here in Gainesville that you can buy basil popsicles and basil ice cream. In cakes, in potato salad, substitute your dill and put basil in your potato salad or mix them. They're mixable. Rice is real good. Your stuffing. I love them in omelets and scrambled eggs, but also I love them in teas, basil tea, Mm -hmm. and lemonade. Mm -hmm. Sure. Delicious. Um, are there other good herbs that complement basil? Or Yeah, uh, basil is probably the most diverse uh, other than thyme. Thyme mixes with everything. But garlic, marjoram, mustard, oregano, paprika, parsley, rosemary, sage, and thyme. I would steer away from tarragon with basil because they're similar in mm-hmm. taste there, but there's enough of the difference there. And if I did use those, I would use one of them just a pinch of that. Okay. All right. So I'm sure it was hard picking just one, but you have a recipe that you've shared with us this month. Tell us a little bit about that. It was because at first I, you know, I thought of my Amy who's no longer with me and she made this delicious basil tomato pie. 
And I thought, mm, I'd like to share that. But I think I shared that with them on the tomatoes. So my favorite way to have basil is a caprese sandwich. Mm-hmm. Take some really good uh, crusty bread, mm-hmm. like a good Italian bread, uh, like I've bought a good onion, uh, Italian bread that you can toast, but you take that bread and you put a layer of fresh mozzarella, tomatoes, and basil. And then you put it together in a skillet with a little uh, olive oil or whatever and toast it just like a grilled cheese or you put it in your panini uh, machine. Now, if you don't have fresh basil on hand and you have pesto, this even kicks it up more mm. flavor. You can take on both sides of the bread, put your pesto, and then put your mozzarella and your tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But my favorite way, Kevin, to do it, because I love basil, is I take and put one layer on one slice of bread of pesto. I lay my tomato on that. Then I put my cheese, and then I put my basil leaves, and I don't put nothing on that last piece and toast it. And then you really have a delectable. Now, Martha, are you forgetting the balsamic drizzle? Well, I I haven't got there yet, and I knew you were going to go there. That's like the Pierre Resistless That's where you take that wonderful, when you put it on your plate, and you cut it, and you put that nice little basil floweret or the mm. top that you put out there on a peach, and you take, I love fig balsamic and, or blackberry balsamic, and you just drizzle that on your sandwich. And enough to make Gordon Ramsay blush. And then you, Kevin, and I can see you doing it, you could take that sandwich and take a bite, and then you dip it in that balsamic. Uh. So that is I'm basil hungry. or basil, <laughs> any way you want to cook with it. Oh, that sounds balsamic so good. Balsamic or balsamic. Whichever yeah, one you prefer. <laughs> See, we have fun in our jobs. <laughs> All right. Uh, we must really like basil because this is longer than we normally yak about yeah. our plants. But um, finally, uh, wrapping it up here, um, more than just the delicious, satisfying taste of basil, what, uh, what are we getting from it? Is it nutritious as well as delicious? It sure is. And that's the reason we like this topic yeah. because we're helping you be helpful, health, mm. healthy. Um <laughs> It is a micronutrient that's full of calcium, vitamin K, all kinds of antioxidants. And two tablespoons of chopped basil contains one calorie, Hmm. zero grams of fat, zero grams of protein, 0.1 gram of carbohydrates, no sugar, 0.1 grams of fiber, 16 milligrams of potassium. So you can add this to any dishes. They have health benefits. There also is, uh, say, of reducing stress, like heart disease, your diabetes, your cancer, arthritis. And I can tell you, I have really seen a difference when I totally don't put salt in anything and I reach for that herb, uh, long-term effects on high blood pressure and uh, reducing that high blood pressure also uh, supports reducing heart disease and it boosts your mental stress and helps us relieve the stress and the depression and anxiety that we so see in today's society. So go out and get you some basil. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's why it's the king. Exactly. It's go the king. go pay homage to the king, <laughs> King Basil. 
That's yeah. right. <laughs> King Basil. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I just feel like if you're if you're gonna get into gardening and you wanna grow your own herbs, basil is basil. always really a good start. And there's there's so many different varieties out there too. So well, it, it's so diverse and that's why if somebody calls me and says, you know, I've got to reduce the sodium in my diet. Can you help me? And I say, Yeah, use basil, you know, and they say, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, well I like da 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 da. What's what's the number one herb that you would recommend me to plant in my garden? And I say, Well, basil, of course, because it's so diverse. Mm-hmm. Nice. Versatile. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me again on today's podcast. And thank you, all of you out there in podcast listening land, for tuning in to the Alachua County Extension Cord Pat Pod Cod Codcast <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> And until I'm not gonna I'm not gonna edit this one out. It's staying in there because uh, you know, keep it real. We're human. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in and until next time, we will see you later.